Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. I'm like beside myself. I'm so excited to be back. This is just, oh, thank you. No, no, this is to y'all. That's, that's great. Don't clap, just send money. Um, I'm really glad to be back, and, and what a wonderful day to get to be here for um, your celebration of the founding. I, I, there are a lot of things about the pandemic that I really despise. One of them that I am very clear about is the fact that I haven't been able to get on I-55 and drive north to Memphis from Jackson, Mississippi, where I'm now living as regularly as I would like to. So I'm going to be coming back as often as I can. On August 3rd, 1832, 189 years ago this week, the Reverend Thomas Wright, who would become the first rector, along with 10 parishioners, founded Calvary Episcopal Church. We remember not only those earliest of our forebears today, but all those whose faithfulness, sometimes soaring, sometimes just doing the best they could, which we all understand, has brought us to where we are today. It's a proud tradition, one worthy of our stopping for a moment, pausing, and being very grateful. Is the mic okay? It seems a little strange to me. Okay, good. A lot of you probably know this, some of you may not. The Feast of the Transfiguration falls on August 6th. We don't normally celebrate that feast, uh, except in our private devotion. It doesn't often fall on a Sunday. But this is the day that this lesson that you've just heard normally comes from. You hear it always the last Sunday before the start of Lent. In each of the years in the lectionary, this lesson is read in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's that important. I love the fact that your clergy decided to choose the lessons for the transfiguration. They transferred it to the sixth, from the 6th to the 8th so we could have it today. It seems very apt to me that we would have the lesson of the transfiguration. It's a day full of hope and light, of promise and mystery. A day on which God spoke again to proclaim to all those with ears to hear, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. I don't suppose I could argue very successfully that Memphis is on any kind of mountaintop, but it is on a bluff overlooking a mighty river, and that's not nothing. What I not only believe but know deep in my heart is that there have been many transfigured moments over the years 
within the life of this community. Moments when light has shone brighter than a lot of the darkness around it. I believe that pairing our founding with this sacred story from Scripture is appropriate and more importantly than appropriate, inspirational for us nearly these 200 years after our founding. Who can read or hear this story without at least a, a touch of envy, albeit with a little fear probably, that we, like this small inner circle of Jesus' disciples, might experience an experience of such power and radiance? I asked myself as I wrote that this week and thought about it, how long has it been since I've experienced a moment of such spiritual intensity that I felt new, that I felt transformed or even transfigured by. Honestly, it's probably been a while. If ever there was a time when our lives as individuals and as a culture, including the church writ large, stood in need of transfiguration, surely this is it right now today. As I said, we normally have this lesson just before Lent. I don't think that it's stretching a celebratory event much to say that we might have some Lentish feelings today. That's a new word, Lentish. <laughs> Google it. Just as we were beginning to think that the end of the pandemic was truly in sight, just as we were marveling, and I mean that word, at the science of these marvelous, effective vaccines, for which I will be eternally grateful, we find ourselves facing another challenging surge. Almost as sad as the surge itself is the feelings of fear, distrust, and political rage that have led to this moment in our common life as a country. It's a deeply troubling moment for people all over the political spectrum. We frankly wonder if there's any way we're going to ever be able to bridge this difference. In a recent article, Richard Rohr, the well-known contemplative theologian, a lot of you read him regularly as I do, wrote something that I think is so good that it's worth quoting. I don't quote much in sermons, but I'm going to today. Living in a transitional age such as ours is scary, Richard wrote. Things are falling apart. The future is unknowable. So much does not cohere or make sense. We can't seem to put order to it. This, he says, is the postmodern panic. It lies beneath most of our cynicism, our anxiety, and our aggression. Yet, there is very little biblical revelation that ever promised us that we would live in an ordered place or an ordered universe. It's rather amazing that we ever thought we could codify it and control the whole thing. But Richard continues with some good news. Chaos often precedes great creativity. And faith precedes great leaps into new knowledge. This transformation, he says, begins in order, but it very quickly yields to disorder. But if we will stay with it long enough in love, it will yield to eventual reordering. Our uncertainty 
is the very doorway into the mystery. Nothing wrong with uncertainty. The doorway into surrender, the path to God that Jesus called faith. Today's lesson is an amazing story about an occasion of mystery, an invitation for the disciples to enter something they clearly did not understand. There is no doubt that for them, Peter and all the guys, that this was a moment of chaos as much as it was a moment of religious ecstasy. More mystery than certainty. So much in spirituality often is, and how rarely do I find it. I shan't speak for you. That's why Peter, wanting to control the moment, tried to convince Jesus to allow him and the others to construct three places for them all to be. Master, it's good for us to be here, he said. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. What he didn't say in that translation, but in mine, he also said, then we can go get the others who understand, and we'll stay here in this rarefied space together. Praise you with all that we have and be an insulated, happy group in which, ev in which everyone knows each other's name, everyone looks and believes alike, and we can stay here forever. Oh, my Lord. Peter was trying to found three churches on the Mount of Transfiguration, each with a magic key to get in. And don't I understand that? But that was never the way Jesus did it. It just wasn't the lesson of his life. Though he loved the synagogue, it's, it's liturgy, it's history, it's intellect, it's mystery. He lived his life beyond the doors of the synagogue, refueled by his frequent visits to the holy space, but emerging every time into the fullness of his life, lived among God's children on the streets and the byways of life. The scripture says, Peter did not really know what he was saying, that he was missing the whole point, and of course he was. Even as was, Peter was putting that point out for the, everyone to hear, divine words came from above. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Surely that's the principal lesson of this fantastical moment. Listen to him. Listen to what he teaches about how we are to live and love one another. It's a message that has been heard by many who have come here to Calvary before us, and it's clearly the message that stands before us this day of our founding celebration. Now, tomes have been written about what Jesus said and what he meant. And though I confess to not being really sure about anything he exactly said, I've come up with a few things that with all my heart, I believe Jesus might be saying to Calvary right now in 2021. I believe if we can do these things, that we can continue to emerge and grow as a shining light high on a bluff above a river in Memphis, Tennessee. One, love our traditions but don't worship them. That's a hard one for me. Some of the things about our tra tradition, I treasure almost as much as anything in the world. 
And some of the ones I love the most honestly probably need to be tweaked, reimagined, changed. Some of them might even need to stop. Did I mention that's a hard one for me? It is. Number two, be clear, perfectly clear, that Calvary is a place that unfalteringly stands against racism in every case. Even in the second half of 2021, we are still learning what it really means to be an anti-racist. It is not a topic that any of us can say, we've really heard too much about this lately. I'm getting tired of it. We can't get tired of it because racism is huge in Memphis, in New York, in Jackson, in Los Angeles, and all parts in between. Number three, there cannot be outcasts among us. No matter how much upscale development occurs in downtown Memphis, and bring it on, I'm all about it, there will always be a concentration of the poorest of the poor right at our doorstep. Jesus does not want us to move our doorstep. To be who we are called, to be who we are really called to be, we must do all we can to make sure that nobody right around us, right outside our door, is hungry or thirsty or freezing cold, dangerously hot, or doesn't have a place to sleep. Jesus never equivocated on that more than anything else. He most clearly said, the poor are at the top of the list of those who will inherit the kingdom of God. And the reason that is particularly true for us that is, is this. It is in them that we see Christ. It is in them where we meet Christ most in the world. And then finally, I think Jesus is reminding us that we need to get used to living with a lot of mystery. Age helps that. The older I get, the more I realize I know very little. Jesus often spoke in parables. Sometimes they seem a lot like riddles to me. What I know, what I know about them is that they didn't have many details in them. Jesus was not a detail man. But his life was and is an unending invitation into the life and heart of God. And if we will listen to this one who is God's son, God's chosen, if we will listen to him, we can open ourselves more and more and more every day to a life of love that will immediately begin to change us and will pretty quickly begin to change others around us and in the end change the whole world. May it be so. In the name of God, amen. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or 
vote for the same candidates, or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.